Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Today, the referee refuses to point to the spot, but it's Dortmund who paid the penalty as the controversial 1-1 draw with Bochum opens the door for Bayern. We'll also look at this week's Cup semi-finals, the race for the Champions League places and Schalke's continued renaissance under Thomas Reis. All of this and much more in this week's edition of BN Honey. Hello, dear listener. I'm Raphael Honigstein. And I'm Christoph Biermann. And we're back for another episode of your Beer and Honey podcast. Thank you so much for your support. Without you, we wouldn't be here. And without you, we won't be here next season. Please, if you can, keep supporting us. Become a member or even better, become an ultra. You get a mug in return. Very exclusive uh, piece of little merchandise if you take out a full year's ticket. Okay, Christoph, since we're a little bit late than usual, we thought we will be starting with a preview rather than a, a review of the Bundesliga. We've got some midweek action in the Pokal, the DFB Pokal, the semi-finals, Freiburg against Leipzig in a remake of last year's final and Stuttgart against Frankfurt. Uh, Freiburg-Leipzig, how do you see this one going? Uh, it's interesting that Uh, Leipzig has become a kind of cup team in recent years. Um, in, uh, if, if they would qualify um, uh, this time again, it was their fourth time uh, going to the final in five years. Um, that's interesting because uh, my, uh, my perception would, would have never been of, of RB Leipzig um, as a cup team um, uh, as um, last year they won against uh, uh, Freiburg. So this is some kind of revenge for... Would you could translate revenge as revenge now? Yeah. What is this? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. ah, okay. Um, yeah. Both teams come come uh, go in the semifinal with uh, one nil wins. Um, I think more of a labored kind for um, for uh, Leipzig, who won one nil at home against Hoffenheim with uh, Christopher Nkunku scoring after uh, after his injury. He's been out for a long time and slowly getting back in, into the team. And a big win for Freiburg away in Cologne with a uh, fantastic performance by Mark Flecken, uh, the Freiburg goalkeeper. And, and honestly, uh, for me, that's a, a, a complete 50-50 game. I don't know how you see it. It's uh, I, I wouldn't... I, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes in extra time and probably into penalty uh, into a penalty shootout. Yeah, I mean Leipzig have better players, but Freiburg have been so consistent and especially at home, and Leipzig being a little bit inconsistent, especially away from home. So yeah, it comes down to a 50-50 game, which is a remarkable thing to say. Yeah, when you consider the finances and. Yeah, some of the star power that, that Leipzig still have. But here we are, Christian Streich, crazy stuff. Interestingly, it's also that um, both teams will meet again in Freiburg in five days. I, I think, I, I've, I haven't looked it up, but there is some strange 
um, schedule magnetism when it comes to cup games. So very often, so at least that's my, my impression or because you, you keep that in mind, teams that are drawn together in the cup will meet three days before that or five days after that uh, again in the Bundesliga. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and this will be also a, a big one uh, because both teams are competing for the Champions League. But I think especially in the case of Freiburg, who, who, um, who haven't won a title in their, uh, in their history, or at least not a national title, apart from youth football and, and, and so on. Um, uh, I think it, it would be f great for them to be called the German Cup winner 2023. Yeah, incredible story either way. I mean, the fact that they are still fighting for the Champions League uh, in the week, as you said, they had this good result against Hoffenheim to hang on to fourth spot. And Leipzig will have to beat them, I think, in the league to to have a realistic shot of, of leapfrogging. And of course, Union uh, on the same points might might still falter. But yeah, um, week by week, I'm looking for new words to describe the magic of SC Freiburg. And I'm beginning to to struggle because we we kind of gotten used to it by now, but it is just an incredible thing. And it occurred to me, Christoph, this week that for all the flaws of the Bundesliga, especially if Bayern were to win an 11th title, more of which we will talk about later, the fact that it still allows teams like Union and Freiburg to compete for the Champions League, to compete for uh, big trophies like the DFB-Pokal, it does show that not everything is wrong with this model, right? Yeah, and, and you could also add uh, Mainz, for example, who are competing for an international place. I mean, they um, we, we won't talk about this uh, extensively, but they, they lost at um, Wolfsburg this, uh, this weekend uh, quite heavily, 3-0. They were already 3-0 down after half an hour, but, but they are also still... Uh, there's a, still a chance that uh, Mainz will play international football next season, either in the Europa League or probably in, in the Conference League. And, and yes, there is um, permeability in the Bundesliga and that doesn't come uh, just from... Um, a rich owner who, who, who puts in a, a lot of money, but as you can see from Mainz and Freiburg, who are fantastic with also with their youth department. Uh, Mainz, for example, won the under-19 German championship a week ago against Borussia Dortmund, and um, yeah, it's uh, so it's a it's a you can it's very difficult. Um, but but if you are uh, doing things properly and you are a bit lucky underway, you cli can climb up the ladder. That's uh, that's mm. for sure. And of course, Frankfurt are also a good example of this in recent years. After some uh, fairly lean spells, they've come back to being a, a Champions League side for the first time. They won the Cup and the Europa League. So uh, a real success story in recent years. Also mostly with some really good scouting, clever decision-making, not huge sums of investment uh, being spent there. Uh, they have a chance to get back into the cup final uh, with that trip to a rejuvenated Stuttgart. 
Um, how do you see this one going? I mean, this Stuttgart Frankfurt sounds like a sort of 1980s DFB Pokal <laughs> classic, um, yes, and it could yeah, be, and true. it could be again. Yeah, it could be. I mean, uh, fortunes have turned a bit for Frankfurt. Right now, they look like as if they um, would miss European football if they um, uh, don't win the cup. I mean, they have a row of, of nine Bundesliga games now without a win. This weekend, they played 1-1 uh, against Aus Augsburg. And there's a big frustration right now. Uh, around Frankfurt and and also I mean Oliver Glasner the coach was um, having a a talk that is and, and we here we have some learning fußball deutsch learning fußball deutsch with beer and honey a brandrede I don't know how that translates into into English. It's sort of when you say things that get the make the whole house burn down, kind of, or warn it can also be a warning about the house might be might be burning down. In this case, he is uh, criticizing how um, uh, Frankfurt is perceived right now, and especially his relationship with uh, sports director Markus Krösche and. Uh, Uh, because everybody is saying they don't get along well. He wasn't saying, I, no, no, we, we get along well, but he was saying it was overblown and populistic and, and so on. So um, uh, the atmosphere around Frankfurt is, is not the best, but, but I think you can uh, say the opposite about Stuttgart, a club that was deep in frustration some weeks ago now, They seem to have uh, changed their fate in the relegation uh, race or a race against relegation because they were winning 2-1 against Borussia Mönchengladbach. They now have 28 points, same as uh, VfL Bochum, and they are on 15 now. And um, but, but they look like the team um, that almost I'm only theoretical can go down because they're playing well again and um, so a big chance for them to to go to the German Cup final uh, Stuttgart for the sixth time uh, they've already won it three times so um, as you said it's a it's it's a classic uh, German Cup game um, and with, with these names that have been around in quarterfinals semifinals finals uh, uh, pretty often. And and again, I think it's a 50-50 game. I think Fra Frankfurt should be favorites um, because of where they've been in recent years. But uh, they're dropping down the table with that inconsistency that we've seen. Defensively, they look quite shaky. They still play some really good stuff. But without Kolomouani, who I think might still be injured on Wednesday, it's going to be it's going to be tricky. For them, so a good chance to have the Baden-Württemberg derby, yeah, in the cup final, Freiburg against Stuttgart. That would be some game. I mean, there's so many, there's so many Swabians in Berlin anyway. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Baden-Württemberg is put together in with uh, two groups like Baden and Württemberg, and in Württemberg, the, the Swabians are, are living, and uh, as you said, a lot of them went to Berlin and. Uh, Mostly, yeah, as the cliche goes, all of them hairdressers. But I think that was never really 
the case. No, they all live on Prenzlauerberg, and and if you live on Prenzlauerberg, you can't you can't afford to live there being a hairdresser. Yeah, so. yeah, I guess I guess not. <laughs> Talking of cliches, here's another one, Christoph. Dortmund are too stupid to win the Bundesliga. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Were they too stupid or were they the victim of the vice of German referees? I mean, I was in, I was, I can tell you, I was in Bochum on Friday. So you had a good um, time. I was sitting there and when, when the situation that we, we will talk about now came, I was thinking, okay, now Dortmund gets a penalty, but the, the referee didn't whistle. And I think, ah, he, maybe he was, he had a, position where he couldn't see and because I also had a in the press box I had a, um, a TV screen in front of me and I was like, okay now 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 the the guy in the Cologne basement will tell him and, and it felt very odd um, the situation we were talking about it was 1-1 and Karim Adeyemi was fouled by Uh, Danilo Soares, the Brazilian uh, left back from Vorfeld uh, Bochum. And uh, yes, no doubt about it, he was fouled. And, uh, but there was never a penalty. And in the end, um, Dortmund drew 1-1 there. And as we knew a day later, lost the top position in the German Bundesliga. Again. Again. Uh, before we go deeper into this controversy, I must say, Christoph, I'm a little bit shocked because when I pictured you going to Bochum, I always uh, thought of you standing in the terraces with a, a jeans jacket that had cut off sleeves <laughs> and uh, lots of badges, uh, waving a massive the big flag. Kutte. Yeah. And smuggling some pyrotechnics into the, into the ground. But no, uh, you, you're part of the press pack. I see. Yeah, I'm old. I'm too old to, for pyrotechnic, and and um, I tend to be too old to to uh, stand on the terraces. And but but that's for 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 quite a while. And actually, um, I enjoy to properly see uh, the game. I mean, I spend ages behind the goal with people waving uh, flags in front of my nose and and people sh shoving and pushing and throwing beer at you. And it, it, it was great, but there is a time in life when you, um, when you have to change things. So, um, yeah, but, but what, do you, what do you make of it? I mean, um, Borussia Dortmund had a lot of chances to win it. But interestingly, also Bochum had some chances to win it. And uh, even a few minutes um, uh, before the end of the game, there was a long goal kick from, um, uh, from Manuel Riemann, the crazy Bochum goalkeeper. It was picked up by Simon Soller. And there were uh, two Bochum players against one defender. And, and uh, Julian Rierson of Borussia Dortmund got the ball. And it could have been even worse um, for Borussia Dortmund. And there were more situations like this. So I found it a, a, a very, very strange affair. Mm. Well, I think there's so many ways of uh, tackling this. First of all, it's not a great position to be in when you can get unlucky from the referee. Of course, referees make mistakes. 
And if you go to Bochum, I think Dortmund need to find a win that in a way that makes them strong enough, dominant enough to concede the odd wrong position uh, decision. It can happen that a, a penalty is not given. It can happen that a penalty that is not a penalty is given to the opposition. You still, I think, have to find a way of winning this game. That's the first thing to say. Easier said than done, yes. But they gave themselves a chance to get unlucky. I think you have to win the game anyway. Score enough goals. But of course, it was a, a ridiculous decision. I think what enraged uh, Dortmund supporters and officials and players most wasn't so much the fact that it was the wrong decision, but the fact that there was no review. Because mm -hmm. there was clearly enough doubt that the VR and Cologne should have said, look, um, we are not sure about this. Uh, go over and have another look. You will probably see that things played out differently than the way you saw them the first time. But they were very hesitant. Uh, Sascha Stegemann, the referee in question, said there was no reason for him to doubt what he had seen. He also mentioned the fact that the protests were quite muted, which is, a, I think, a <laughs> difficult argument to make because as a player, I'm thinking, okay, if I don't go nuts, then I don't have a good chance for a review. That's okay. That might be true, but it's still uh, not a great, uh, great thing to say. And I think it also exposes this tension that exists between the idea that we want to be very careful with intervention We want to only get involved when there is a, a very clear-cut error in the sense that 99 out of 100 people would say this is wrong. And even if there's more doubt, then we'll say, okay, we'll stick with the decision. But also with the expectation that tricky situations, especially if they mean a lot, if they're really important for a game or in this case for the German championship and the relegation fight, that the referee will make use of the VAR almost as a kind of insurance policy to give himself a better chance of making the right decision. And this tension um, sometimes produces bad results. And in this case, I think the idea not to get involved is, is correct, basically, as a principle. But in this specific case, uh, the VAR should have at least said, are you sure you might be well off looking at this again? And Sascha Stegemann, to his credit, came out the next day and gave a lot of interviews saying that he had sleepless nights and he felt uh, very bad about the decision. And of course, it was wrong. And unfortunately, Cologne did not help him in that respect. He also said that there were threats being made to him and his family, which, of course, is, is quite terrible. Uh, the police are involved. Hans-Joachim Watzke, the Dortmund CEO and the most powerful man in German football, came out with a statement abhorring uh, this kind of abuse. But here we are. Um, Christoph, do you think that the, the Adeyemi penalty or the Adeyemi non-penalty will one day go down in German history as one of the most important penalties, stroke non-penalties uh, that ever happened or not happened? Um, like uh, Breitner in 74, like Bremen 1990, like Kutzop, Michael Kutzop with his famous yeah. penalty miss in 1986. Are we talking this magnitude or will we see still enough in the next four games for people to say, you know what? Yes, 
um, it wasn't just because of this penalty that Dortmund have thrown the, the title away. Here we are. The story, when, they, when Dortmund will rewind their season, they will probably be very frustrated about this, not winning in Bochum, but they will be much more frustrated about this uh, 3-3 in Stuttgart I was referring to. Also, even worse, probably, uh, their home game against uh, Werder Bremen, where they lost in, with two goals in extra time uh, at home. And and so um, and and there are more more games they easily could have won also at Schalke where there was a draw where there were um, where Dortmund was a much better team and we could we we could go on like this and and so yes um, um, it's it's uh, it was an important decision that went wrong but I think uh, in the greater um, a range of things. Um, it's it's not the ex- or would not be the uh, explanation why Dortmund didn't win the uh, German title. And I think they st- can still win it. You think so? Yeah. Yes, of course. I saw Bayern Munich on 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 uh, on Sunday, and they ha- are having a lot of problems uh, too. But at least they want to know. Like maybe we'll talk about this um, in a minute. But um, yeah, there are two teams struggling with a lot of uh, problems, and um, and and there is a good chance that um, uh, both of them will drop uh, more points uh, in the in the last four games of the season. Okay, that's interesting. I, I'm not so sure. I think that Bayern might might go on to win everything. Uh, yes, they didn't play well, but they also, for a change, didn't play badly. They didn't make any stupid mistakes. As Joshua Kimmich said, they kept their shape, they kept their head. They created chances. It was all a bit uninspiring. It was all a bit pedestrian and it looked like, okay, we'll put the ball <laughs> wide and then we're going to try and cross into the box. It was all quite basic. But it sort of worked, didn't it? Yeah, that's true. But but against a very limited um, uh, team from the bottom of the table that had a lot of players out because of injuries and 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 uh, suspensions and and so on. So yeah, I I didn't would not expect them to win eight nil or or so. But you said it. Pedestrian. It was also slow. It was it was almost narcotic to watch. It was. Um, I mean, Jodor <clears throat> Kimmich. You're right uh, to to mention him. He had a great game actually. Uh, the, how he uh, he set up the two goals were were fantastic. He, um, I don't know if you've seen that he, he even managed to, to get a record because he was setting up 11 goal chances in, in, in this game. And uh, um, by, by Opta standards, who are um, uh, um, uh, keeping these numbers, they say uh, nobody in, uh, in the history of the Bundesliga from... 2004 on when they started to, to, to collect these data uh, was able to to create as many goal chances so he was great but altogether it was 
um, and and you could see that they are still so much under stress. Um, um, Thomas Tuchel was was praising them for how they how they were celebrating mm. because they were celebrating together as a team. Uh, interesting that you that you need to mention this, but 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 anyhow, and you could see how relieved they are, were after after the the f um, final whistle because they had won. They didn't have, didn't concede a goal. They didn't create crazy situations so um but but they also uh same as Dortmund uh, both teams right now don't look like champions yeah I, I totally agree with you on that um Bayern still low in confidence as Thomas Tuchel said still in search of any real inspiration creativity against a very deep Hertha side um it did remind me a little bit of those games that you sometimes see in the qualifiers when Andorra uh, sort of have 10 players in the box <laughs> and then even a good team will only win 2-0 because they don't stop. They Even they go, you know, they go behind 1-0, 2-0 and there's just no intention of opening up. So the game is slow. Uh, there's no movement. There's no space. Uh, that felt to me the game plan from Hertha and they made no attempt of, of trying to get anything once they went behind. Hertha, the Gibraltar of, yeah. of German football. Not right. so much yeah, big right. city as small country attitude um, that they showed. And <laughs> yeah, I think Bayern got the job done, which is more that you could have uh, said for them uh, in recent in recent weeks. I, I get the feeling that they will now go on and win win the next four games. Um, even a bad Bayern team don't tend to drop too many points. Uh, they've already had multiple crises this season. Uh, Tuchel coming on the back of, of four games without a win into this game as well. I just don't see that weakness manifesting itself. But from week to week, we have to. From week yeah, to week, we have to I, change our predictions. So who's who knows where, where we'll be next week? I would disagree. Um, I, I would both teams see uh, dropping points because um, um, they both look look uh, pretty unstable, and um, that's interesting. That I thought Borussia Dortmund, for example, after their terrific four 0 win uh, against Eintracht Frankfurt a week ago, they would like walk over Bochum and um, but uh, yeah they had the chance to win it we talked about the con controversy about uh, the penalty and so on but also they 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 didn't I mean they they have problems to win away obviously and um, and you could see it and and also you uh, my impression that you could see that something is going deep under the skin of the Bayern players right now. Um, and uh, yes, this win will help them. Also, I found interesting that Leon Goretzka was complaining about uh, the uh, treatment of, of the players in, uh, in German media. Uh, we must say a, a sector of the German media. And he was saying uh, players are being totally destroyed in the media. 
Um, I haven't read the article that um, he, he was referring to, but I, I can easily imagine what it, what it is. And, and you can also you see it in social media, um, harsh criticism and so on. So it's, yeah, they, they are still under a heavy burden and it's still, um, there are not out of their crisis. You can, you, you, you can see us and next, next week they, they have to go to Bremen and, um, and yes, again, uh, if, if you compare the two teams, it's, um, easy to say that, that, um, Bayern are huge favorite, but there's also this special, uh, um, rivalry between Verda and 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 Bayern and yeah, let's see who is the uh, topper of the table next week. Mm. Well, psychologically, it's interesting as well because uh, Bayern, uh, having played on Sunday, will play on Saturday, and it'll be Dortmund who then have to catch up, possibly uh, being maybe four points down mm. at uh, at kickoff. Uh, which is, of course, a huge chance for Bayern to increase the pressure. Uh, then next week, um, they play at the same time. Then the week after, again, it's uh, Bayern before Dortmund. And then, of course, the last match of the season, all games kick off at the same time. So uh, let's see. Let's see. It's definitely the most interesting title race in, in many years. And long may it continue. Uh, in this age of modern football, we used to 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 teams winning... The championship in this uh, with this fantastic records uh, they are setting up, almost never losing, and um, it, it, today it feels uh, or, or this time it feels a bit like I would say in the good old days when um, <laughs> when humans were competing in the Bundesliga and someone won the title in the end, and very often. It was Bayern, and uh, but sometimes they, they were others, and because none of these teams were uh, were having this kind of perfection that uh, um, you nowadays you even um, yeah, uh, expect uh, teams to to have. I mean, you can also look at at, at Manchester City or this fantastic title race between. Uh, Liverpool and and uh, uh, Manchester City, I think three years ago or so, when they both broke uh, records for points, and in in the end, one of them um, didn't win the title. That was uh, Liverpool at that time, and um, so that we have like two normal teams with their up and downs, and somebody in the end wins uh, the championship is is almost like a far cry from the past coming back to. Uh, to yeah, it does remind me a little bit of the uh, 2001 season when Bayern won with 63 points, which is the lowest um, in yeah. the last 20 years. Yeah, but they're already on 62 points, so I expect them to break that record at least. So Bayern and Dortmund still the one and two of the Bundesliga, but a um, by now very likely third still in that position. Uh, your special friends, Christoph, from Union Berlin. And you were there, I believe, when they took on Xabi Alonso's by Leverkusen. We were expecting fireworks. We were expecting lots of goals, free-flowing football. <laughs> what did we see? What did we get? Actually, a very good nil-nil. But also Xabi Alonso, I think, um, 
was thinking, ah, if we if we go there, uh, let's put a foot on the brake um, because um, he he brought in as his uh, second number six uh, beside Robert Andrich um, Tapsoba. Uh, the uh, the uh, central defender. So we we saw a game where two very good teams uh, most of the time controlled themselves, but here and there had uh, interesting situation. And so um, uh, yeah, it was was a nil nil of the better sort, as uh, it's very often said. <laughs> yeah. Not very often, some yeah. t- as it is sometimes said, and. Um, and so it's, uh, but but that means um, that the gap for um, for Bayer Leverkusen to qualify for the Champions League in the Bundesliga via the Bundesliga is very unlikely because the gap now is eight points, and uh, I think if they want to play Champions League, they should win the Europa League, and they have a fair chance to do this. And and yes, Union has a has a fair chance to qualify for the Champions League still. I mean, they go to Augsburg. It's always a very intense game if Union is playing against Augsburg. And that is mostly, to be honest, terrible to watch. And um, the other two contenders for this third and fourth place in the Champions League, Freiburg and uh, Leipzig, will meet again, as we already said. So... A great chance for Union to to qualify, and they will have um, their home game. Their next home game will be against uh, Freiburg, and that will probably decide who will qualify for the Champions League. What's your gut feeling? And will we see Union play the Champions League if they qualify at Alte Försterei? Will they have to move? Do you think they very likely will have to move um, because um, it's it's still not clear if this test program that uh, in in certain stadia uh, people are allowed to stand will be continued. Um, I think it's very likely because um, overall it went pretty well. Um, but I think there are other limitations like, like the, uh, the place you need for media and they have a very small pre- press box, for example, and, and, uh, and, and a lot of, lot of other stuff because I think the, um, what you need for, for Champions League is, is big. And so they will very likely move to the other end or would move to the other end of the city to play in the Olympia Stadion. Yeah. Yeah, which would be a shame because it's not quite the same in terms of atmosphere. Actually, it's it's really not the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's not at all the same. And uh, but as we could see uh, last season when um, Union had to play there, and um, at a time still with COVID restrictions and and so on, uh, they managed to 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 create a terrific atmosphere even even at the Olympia Stadion. And also, I think. It in a way it could help them because um, there is, is huge interest in Union, but most people can't go because they can't get tickets anymore. Uh, the capacity is small, twenty four thousand. It's um, a lot of for for uh, season ticket holder for members and so on. So the 
the general public who is interested to see a new match um, uh, don't has a uh, people don't have the chance mm. to see them, and so they can see them in the Olympia Stadium. But you're right; it's it's not the Union typical Union experience yeah. you will yeah. have there or would have. Yeah, or, or you can go to Fortuna Düsseldorf and and watch games there because they will be making some games for free next yeah. season. Uh, so so the plan is. Um, Sponsors play uh, the entrance fee for everybody and uh, they will start with three games next season. And if they find more sponsors, the plan is to um, uh, to have free entrance for everybody apart from the um, uh, people in VIP play areas and, and lounges and, and so on, even for away fans. And uh, the idea behind it... Uh, um, Düsseldorf has a huge stadium, or huge, it holds 54,000. Now they have an average that is about the half, 27, 28,000 people coming in the second division. Still very good, um, uh, already very good, but um, uh, yeah, they, they, it could be more. And so the, the plan is to, to fill the stadium. And uh, people who had season tickets the season before could take their places. Um, the uh, ultras can uh, will get contingents so that they can uh, stay together. And um, I, I find it very interesting. But it's it's a it's a thing that um, only works as a, in a in a stadium or with a situation like Fortuna Düsseldorf has. So, uh, but, but but what do you think about it? Yeah, I do think it's very interesting. I think it's worth trying. Definitely worth trying. Uh, we're not talking about huge sums of money. They yeah. make about eight million per season from ticket gates, and that divided by seventeen is about four hundred fifty thousand per game. That shouldn't be beyond a sponsor to cover. And then let's see. Let's see what kind of atmosphere it will create or will it lead to people thinking, I have a free ticket, but maybe I don't want to go. I'll just uh, won't show up or, yeah, going to be very, very interesting. Uh, but before we go, uh, one place where tickets are not for free um, because there's a lot of demand, especially now that a bit of hope has returned, is, of course, Gelsenkirchen, Christoph. <laughs> They were in 17th. Yeah. at the beginning of this match day. And they're still in 17th, but crucially, Schalke just now within a point of safety after a fantastic 2-1 win against Werder Bremen. They were 1-0 down with 10 minutes to go. And then Sepp van der Berg and Dominic Drexler with two goals that felt absolutely huge. And uh, again, one of your former friends, uh, Thomas Reis, our VfL Bochum fan, Uh, fame uh, might be able to uh, keep two teams up at the same time in one season. Yeah, or go down with two teams. So um, <laughs> both teams had uh, were facing so many setbacks, terrible games. Like um, Schalke, for example, coming back after a 4-0 defeat in Freiburg that actually could have been a 7-0 and uh, winning against uh, Werder Bremen, and we talk about this later, and, and Dortmund getting this 1-1 uh, against Borussia Dortmund after they lost their uh, home game a week before 1-5 against Wolfsburg. So there is 
something very likable about this these teams because they have immense limitation as we can regularly see but they also have a a, a fighting spirit and a spirit for survival and probably it won't be enough but um, people won't be angry about it and you you mentioned the the guy who who scored the uh, second goal Dominic Drexler because there was a situation like within a minute he was he was um, preventing Marvin Dux to score the second goal for Werder Bremen. That was almost, I mean, it was a huge chance for Werder to win it, and he blocked it on the goal line. And then he wow 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 went up front and and get this um, wonderful pass from Rodrigo Salazar. Uh, behind the um, Werder Bremen defense to score the the two uh, one, and I think this will be fondly remembered by Schalke fans even uh, for, for for a long time. And if they manage to to um, stay in the Bundesliga, I don't know. They will set up a statue for him also. Yeah, he would deserve one because it looked like a totally hopeless cause, and they might might just do it although as you said they're with a few very tough remaining fixtures they have to go to Mainz next week then to Bayern then they host Frankfurt and then they have to go to Leipzig ouch how many points from those maybe three maybe four uh, could still be tricky tricky but not out of the question which is a huge advance on where things were before Thomas Reis took over. Okay, I think that's uh, all we got time for this week. We'll be back with a look at match day 31 next week. And of course, we'll talk about the cup games as well. Until such time, uh, please keep supporting us if you can. Please keep listening, keep subscribing, keep being a member or become a member if you aren't already. We need your support with the end of season approaching Every member counts as far as our possibility of continuing is concerned. So if you haven't subscribed already, if you haven't become a member already, please uh, do so if you can. Uh, tell all your neighbors, your friends, your enemies, your significant other halves. They all need their own special ultra mug for a season ticket. All right. Um, all that's left for me to say is bye bye and thank you very much. I was Rafael Honigstein. I was Christoph Biermann. And we say bye-bye. Bye. Ciao. Beer and Honey, the German football podcast.